Open your Bibles to the book of Titus. Titus and chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. We will consider one verse there. Titus chapter 3 verse 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. The focus of our attention will be that third verse. This is God's word. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I, des- I decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenas the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. That is God's word. We'll spend few minutes asking God to help us to properly hear his word and then we will consider the third verse there. Please bow with me prayer. Our Heavenly Father we thank you that we have the Holy Bible the book divine that it is ours to show us the way. We do pray that you may help us according to your word that you may teach us good judgment and knowledge even as we believe upon your commandments we pray that you may help us to keep your word so that when we are afflicted we would not be led astray we ask O Lord that you may teach us your statutes for you are good and you do good We pray that you may help us with our whole heart to keep your precepts. 
We pray that you may help us to delight in your law. We pray that even when we are afflicted, we would be afflicted that we may learn your statutes. We ask that the law of uh, uh, your mouth would be better to us than thousands of gold and silver pieces. We pray, Lord, that our hearing of your word would bear much fruit even to eternity to the praise and glory of your name. Help me, Lord, to speak because I do not know how to do so without the help of your Spirit. Grant souls for you, Lord. May your people be subdued by your Spirit in the preaching of your word. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever ask yourself whether you have a right estimation of yourself or of who you are? It is my belief that many people walking on this earth have a wrong view of themselves. And you seated here this afternoon might as well have a wrong view of yourself. Many have such high views of themselves and in fact, the Bible calls us not to think too highly of ourselves because this is exactly what we are prone to do, to exalt ourselves, to think ourselves too highly. My point is this. As you listen to the sermon this afternoon, I want you to ask yourself one or both of these two questions. What am I? Or what was I? I'd like to uh, bring you a man that has had tremendous impact on the theology of the Americans. His name is Jonathan Edwards. He says in his resolutions, resolution number eight, resolved to act in all respects, both speaking and doing, as if nobody had been so vile as I, and as if I had committed the same sins or had the same infirmities or failings as others, and that I will let the knowledge of their failings promote nothing but shame in myself and prove only an occasion of my confessing my own sins and miseries to God. Now, as you hear that resolution, this is a man that has a right estimation of himself. He realizes that no one is so vile as they are. So no one can commit so much sins than, than they. That none is a better sinner than him. And in those, in those words you, you hear echoes of the words of the Apostle Paul who calls himself the chief of sinners. This is what I would like for you to consider as we look at the verse that is before us to have a right estimation of yourself. This afternoon, we will be considering, although from afar, the biblical doctrine of total depravity. The description given of the Christian before he became a Christian is one that is desperate, as you're going to see this afternoon. 
we were in desperate need of help. Were it not for God's sovereign grace, we would be eternally lost. Considering what we were. Again, were it not for God's sovereign grace, my friends, we would be eternally lost. It wouldn't matter what peace we have in this world. It wouldn't matter what accomplishments we, we have. Were it not for God's saving grace, God's omnipotent hand of salvation, we would be dead even to eternity. I've titled my sermon this afternoon in form of a question and I will be asking and seeking to answer the question, what were we? And this is a different form of the question that I have just told you to ponder. I've told you to think about the question, what am I or what was I? The sermon title is a different form of it, although similar. What were we? The simple answer that I have given is this. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin. And this is the one point that I will bring before you this afternoon. We were slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. In other words, we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what this apostle, this same apostle says in Ephesians chapter 1 verses, chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. On to my point now, my one and only point, and then we will go home. What were we? We were slaves to sin. Look with me at verse 3 there. The apostle says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. The apostle continues with his thoughts, flowing from what he has just finished telling Titus. He has just told him how the Christian ought to conduct himself toward the authorities and towards everyone else in this dying world. That's, that's what we considered last week. He now goes on to tell him why the believers should conduct themselves thus. You see, the Christian should never think highly of themselves. The Christian should never look down on the world. You know, be it unregenerate authorities or unregenerate anyone, really. And this is because of the passage that we are considering. When the Christian remembers where he or she was, where God took them from, they cannot, they dare not look down on others. This is what the apostle will be laboring to show. Away with the doctrine that teaches that the drunkard out there is like that because they did not choose God. You and I would have been like that were it not for the sovereign grace of God, the saving omnipotence of God. Before we consider the things 
or the characteristics that show what we were as those who are slaves to sin, I'd like for you to consider how the apostle begins the description. Look with me there, beginning of verse 3. He says, For we ourselves were. He begins with the connective for, explaining or giving reason for what he has just finished saying. He is, as it was saying, conduct yourself like that because this is how you are. He's telling them, conduct yourself like this towards the authorities, conduct yourself like this towards everyone else, because this is how you are. The notice there also that he includes himself in the matter at hand. He says there, for we ourselves, using we and ourselves, which are personal pronouns, which includes the person speaking and the people being addressed. addressed. So when he says we ourselves, he is using a figure of speech which we call we call repetition that emphasizes a point. And and how how, how would we put this in Swahili? Sisi nasi, we ourselves. He includes himself there. I'm saying all this to show you that the apostle is doing the very thing that he is telling us to do, and that emphatically. He is telling us to remember how we were and he is including himself there as though to say, I was also like this. So let us not forget how we were. That's what the apostle is, is saying. It's as though he's telling Titus, this is how I, I was as well. So let's not forget how we were, myself included. And when he includes himself together with the rest of us, we realize that the apostle understands us, right? He understands us. And he understands what he's saying because he stands on the same ground with us. In other places, he would call himself what? The chief of sinners. Lest anyone should think that their sins are too black to be made white. The apostle says that his sins are more. Now consider with me what we were. In this matter of being slaves to sin. It says there. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were foolish. It says there. That we were foolish. Literally without understanding. And the idea here is that of. Inability to understand the things of the spirit. We were the natural person. Who will not be able to accept the things of God. For they would be folly to him. We would not be able to understand them because they are spiritually designed. That's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The word of the cross was folly to us, and hence we were foolish. Although we knew God, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we are told, we did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but we became futile in our thinking, and our foolish hearts were darkened we were foolish we were foolish because whatever knowledge whatever wisdom we may have had or thought we had it was folly it was folly because it was apart from god the apostle says for we ourselves were once foolish we had not that truth yeah, that truth capital t that alone sets free hence we were foolish 
the implications here are dire. It does not matter that unbelievers seem to be very wise, very intelligent, very brilliant. It doesn't matter. They are foolish because they do not know God. They have not bent their knee to Him. And this is how we were. You see, unbelievers are foolish because they do not have the truth. They are foolish because they live like the atheist who says in his heart, there is no God. And the Bible says, it is who, it is who that says that? It is the fool that says in his heart that there is no God. This is how we were, my brethren. We were foolish. But oh, praise the Lord. That he opened our eyes. We are going to see next Sunday. Were it not for his grace, we would be utterly foolish. The apostle says then in the next place, we ourselves were once disobedient. Disobedient. It says there that be it as children, we were disobedient. Be it to our own conscience, we were disobedient. Parents tell us what to do, we refuse it. Our conscience continues to uh, uh, light that uh, red light. We are disobedient. Be it to human or divine authorities, utterly disobedient. We were disobedient. Be it to the civil authorities that we have up there, that we are told to be submissive to, are completely disobedient. Consider with me very carefully that this disobedience is the characteristic of the hypocrites. Look at chapter chapter 1. Chapter 1 verse, verse 16. The hypocrites are said to profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works, and then they are detestable. And then they are what? They are disobedient and fit for any good work. This is not the character of Christians. Rather, this is how they were. They were not only foolish, but they were also disobedient. They were professing to know God, denying, but, but denying Him. But that's not how we are now. I'd like you to notice that the implications of what is happening here is that the Christian should not look like this anymore. This should not be the characteristic of the Christian. This is what the Christian was before. This is how we were. Slaves to sin. The apostle continues to say that we were led astray. We were led astray, which literally means that we were deceived. Whether we knew it or not, we were deceived. We were made to wander from the truth. We lived in wildliness, yet deceived that there are, there are, there are no consequences to our actions. Right? Isn't that how unbelievers live? They continue in their sinfulness, yet they are convinced that one day they will be with God. One day they will inherit eternal life this is how we were we were deceived we were deceived that our 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 actions had no consequences we were led astray this is not only being deceived but even more it's being deluded we had no light of the world meaning that we were in darkness and hence being led astray was automatic we are not that way to guide us home. Hence being led astray was our portion. 
We do not have the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way. Hence we were deceived. We do not have the Lord Jesus Christ who is the truth. Hence we were foolish. We do not have Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. Hence we were in darkness. We were led astray. We walked in our sinful ways. We followed our sinful patterns. And we were convinced that we were fine. The apostle says there that it's not only that we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. It's also that we were slaves to various passions and pleasures. He continues to say that we were slaves. And slaved by passions and pleasures. Evil desires controlled us. Evil desires dominated us, ruled, mastered, reigned over us in all our life and in all our conduct. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. You know this. You know this if you're a Christian here this evening. The sexual immorality that dominated us, the gluttonous habits, the wastefulness of time and resources, the idolatry of sports and recreational activities, the impurity, the sensuality, the idolatry, the sorcery, the enmity, the strife, the jealousy, the feats of anger, the rivalries, the dissensions, the divisions, the envy, the drunkenness, the orgies, and things like this, Paul would say in Galatians 5.22. This is, this is how we were. This is what we were, slaves to various passions and pleasures. It says there we were following the course of this world. Isn't that what he says in Ephesians? Following the course of this world. We, we lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And hence then we were um, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were slaves to sin foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. He says there also that we were passing our days in malice and envy. That statement there implies, it implies that this is where we lived. And he says, passing our days in malice and envy, He's saying that this is where we lived. We lived like this. This is where we passed our days. The idea of malice there is not only that we were mischievous, but that more to that, we were bad. And this is how I thought of it as I was preparing myself, that our badness was high-quality badness. It was high-quality. We were perverse. We were wicked, wicked to the nth degree. And you know what that means, eh? To the nth degrees, to infinity. Completely wicked. We were malicious. Our evil, our evil was threatening. We were depraved. Totally depraved. We passed our days in malice. The idea of envy there is worse as well. Because the meaning is looking at others with ill will, passing our days in malice, being completely wicked, 
and passing our days in envy, looking at others with ill will because of what they have. You know what? That's what envy is, eh? Because because people have some some, some things that we do not have. When we look at them uh, 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 with envy, is we look at them with ill will. And so that they say that on the one hand, jealousy is afraid of losing what it has. On the other hand, envy hates it when it sees another person with something. And that's how we were. We hated it when we saw others with, with things that were rightfully theirs. Notice with me that it is envy that caused Cain to murder his brother. It is envy that caused Joseph's brothers to plot against him. It is envy that causes Saul to hotly pursue David to murder him. Notice that it is envy that caused the crowd to deliver our Lord that he may be crucified. This is how we were. We passed our days in malice and envy. We lived we lived in depravity, utter sinfulness, foolishness, disobedience, uh, 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 walking astray. This is how we were. Let me just let me just read for you a text that has just come to my mind right now. Romans chapter three: No one is righteous, no not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is how we were. We were foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray. Passing slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. And then he, he says there in the last place that we were hated by others and hating one another. When we are in the same world, fighting for similar things with all our sinfulness, the apostle says that uh, we become hateful. We are hated by others and we hate in return. Instead of loving, we hate. This is the only possible result of the sinfulness that fills our hearts. We become loathsome to others and others become loathsome to us. We hate others and others hate us. There's no true love in our hearts. Perhaps I should have, I should have mentioned there in, in, in the matter of uh, malice and envy that uh, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, sorry, First um, Corinthians 13, that love does not envy. So that there's a sense in which we do, we, we do not know what true love meant. So there is no true love in, in our hearts. We hate others. That's, that's how we were. All that fills our heart is hate. And that hatred is a sinful hatred which does not do, do us good and does not do others good as well. Now, 
the apostle is telling Titus this so that he may remind these people how they ought to conduct themselves towards the rulers and authorities and towards everyone else as we as we considered last week he's he's telling them telling him this so that he may remind them that even though the world may look like this now this is how we were so that they may they may not be proud so they may not exalt themselves so that they may not look down upon the rulers and the authorities and everyone else that they may not speak evil of anyone that they may avoid quarreling that they may be gentle that they may show perfect courtesy toward all people that's why he's telling him this that they may remember how they were so that before they quarrel with others before they they, they speak evil of others be, be, before they refrain from being courteous they remember that they were once like them they were dead in their trespasses this is how we were my brethren the apostle is also telling titus to remind the cretans this the cretan believers this so that he may go ahead to tell, tell them and remind them of the regenerating work of the spirit of god in their hearts he's telling them this so that he may bring to perspective what he's going to say next he's going to tell them that god is good that god is kind that god is righteous that god in all his attributes worked so much so as to save a people for himself these people who look like like this who these people who are foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing their days in malice and envy hate, hated by others and hating one another now if you are saved here this afternoon this is how you are if you do not think that this is how you are you are not saved Let me repeat that statement. If you're saved here this afternoon, this is how you are. If you do not think that this is how you are, you are not saved. Those who are saved must understand the whole idea of sin. I I commend to you JC Ryle's book on holiness. He has the the first chapter there after the introduction which is sin. He says those who are saved must have a right estimation of their sin that they are completely dead they are in utter despair if you do not understand that you have not been saved those who have been saved are those who have completely understood that oh how i am a sinner and oh how christ is a great savior And if Christ does not save me from this wretched man that I am, I will die and go to hell. The believer is like that man that we have just read about there, Jonathan Edwards, who says that is resolved to act in all respects, both in speaking and doing, as if nobody was as vile as they. The believer has a right view of themselves, understanding that 
he or she was dead in his trespasses and never ever wanting to go back there never ever wanting to be disobedient never wanting to be foolish never wanting to be led astray never wanting to be a slave to various passions and pleasures you hear that language slaves to various passions and pleasures never wanting to pass their days in malice and envy never wanting to be hated by others and hating others perhaps at this point i should ask you are you a slave of sin is sin oppressing you are you one who is slavishly submitting to various passions and pleasures never wanting to obey being disobedient never gaining any wisdom completely being foolish never understanding the things of god what what is what is your character if i should ask are you living in malice and envy are you hating others and are others hating you in return submit to you that if that's the case you need to come to Jesus Christ you need to bend your knee now you need to submit to him who is the lord of all the one who alone is able to save the one who alone is able to cleanse the one who alone is alone who is able to remove the foolishness the disobedience the being led astray by granting his light by granting his truth by showing the way because he is all those things and more if you are a christian here this afternoon I'd like to encourage you that you should be striving not to be like this you should be rooting out hmm? root out all uh, uh, weeds of foolishness all weeds of disobedience all weeds of blindness being led astray all weeds of sinful passions and pleasures all weeds of malice and envy and all weeds of hatefulness because those who hate display in their hatefulness that they do not know the love of God which alone is known through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a good savior, is a merciful savior. So that if you're a Christian here this afternoon and you have fallen in these ways, and it's not to say that we can't fall in these ways, is it? If you're a Christian and you've fallen in these ways, there is forgiveness in Christ. There's acceptance from Christ. Christ is able to cleanse. Christ is able to grant wisdom. Him who is the wisdom of God. He is able to show you the way that you may not be led astray. Christ is able. He is able. He is able. He is willing doubt no more. Come to him. Ask for forgiveness and he will forgive you. He will cleanse you of every unrighteousness. Oh, what a wonderful savior we have. him who died upon the cross for our sins 
him who took our place him who obeyed the law of god to the nth degree we have a merciful savior in jesus christ and it's because of him that we are no longer what we were we were slaves to sin now we are slaves to him we are no longer what we were hallelujah what a savior so I'd like us to sing this afternoon that all that we have considering what we were all we have is Christ amen let's pray we thank you father for we see there what we were how we look like and we were ugly we were not in any sense beautiful we were filthy wretched blind we were slaves in shackles we were hopeless we thank you yet that christ came for us he came to redeem us he came to take us from that mire pit he came to purify and sanctify for himself a people of whom we are among oh father all praise to you all praise to you for granting redemption for forgiving our sins for taking us in for washing us clean all praise to you lord for none is like you none can compare to you your patience is like no other your love is like no other your forbearance is like no other We praise you our Lord. Thank you for your word which comes to us in a way that you assure us is for our good to help us. May we indeed be helped in such a way that we would know that we have been helped. Hear our prayers. Bless us with the things we've heard. This we pray in Jesus name.